Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Take Command podcast from Odyssey Sports. What's up? What's happening? I'm Craig Hoffman. He is Logan Paulson. Hope you had a great holiday weekend before that holiday weekend the commanders had their third and final ota practice of the first week of phase two of otas i feel like you should like a decimal system it's like 2.1.3 yeah. uh that's that's what the practice was uh phase two week one practice three we'll go over that uh and some some emerging uh themes on this new eric bienemy led offense and then uh, I'm very excited for this. We're going to play a little over-under at the end of the show, take a look at some of the the offensive statistics uh, and, and predict them. Uh, our producer, Nick, is playing the role of, of line maker. He gets to be the house. Logan and I will place our bets, and uh, sometime next January, we'll see if we're right. So that is the plan for the pod today. Uh, wherever you're watching or listening right now, we'd love it if you subscribe or follow. And if you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button. So far, so good on this here podcast. All right. Logan, OTA number three. Uh, what did we see in that third practice, or what did you see in that third practice? Uh, I think up till Thursday? the third practice, so the offense had been looking pretty smooth, right? We had talked about on our podcast last week how everyone looked in sync. You know, everyone looked pretty sharp. Um, but then third day is team blitz. So team blitz for any offense is usually a, I don't know, it can be a little dicey, because especially with a new offense, because you're learning offensive protection rules. You're kind of learning side adjustments. You're learning protection checks. And I think the offense looked fine, but they definitely, that was probably the worst, you know, worst is a strong word, but the, the least efficient period of the week, you know, like they, um, you know, like they, they had some issues in terms of who are we going to? Is that my guy? Is that your guy type of thing? Uh, holding the ball a little bit too long at the quarterback spot. You can tell the defense is putting in some new stuff. And, um, you know, I just think that's, that's life in the NFL, you know, good days and bad days. And, I think, you know, I was talking to Jack Del Rio in the hallway and he's like, you definitely want these practices to feel split, right? To feel pretty even. And, you know, up until this point, we've kind of been saying, oh, the offenses looked unexpectedly good. And um, this is, I think, a day where it kind of comes back to earth a little bit. Um, nothing, not in a bad way. It's, it's just part of the growing process as an offense. Um, but I think that, you know, Team Blitz is tough and it's tough for everybody. Uh, but I do think in terms of the complexity of what they have in right now, it's like, it's so, I'm so impressed. Like each time we, I watch practice, I'm like, man, I can't believe they've got this in. I can't believe they're doing this formation already. I can't believe they've, they're checking these protections already at this point of the year. So um, I, I'm, even though it was kind of a rough day in terms of execution, you know, not, and it wasn't bad. It just wasn't as clean as it's been. Um, I still think it was pretty positive, right. you know, like, because they have so much formational, so much personnel, so much um, kind of protection stuff in right now. Um, I don't know. I'm just really impressed with what the offense is doing, even even though it hasn't been great. So, yeah, I, I think it's important to point out, right? When you talk about these blitz periods and things like that, like well, those yeah. are the game changing type of plays yeah. in an actual game, right? It's really easy, relatively speaking, easy to execute on first and second down when teams are playing basic coverages. Like if you're playing cover three, although as we talked about with with Matt Ryan a couple weeks ago, teams are doing this less and less. There's a lot more junk. Chunk, sure. if you will, defenses, things that are not as clean read for the quarterback. But but you're still going to see a lot more of like, yeah. oh, that's cover three. If it's cover three, I know what to do with the football. Now I just got to make the throw. Like you see the the clean execution far more often, especially in a practice setting, because the answers are far more straightforward. If this, then that. But 
what blitzes do is they mess with those rules and, and you, you can junk it up. And part of the reason you do that is a defense and you don't do it necessarily on first and second down, as we talked about on this podcast before, but as our audience continues to grow, hopefully, uh, either a good refresher <laughs> or, um, something new for, for some of the new folks, like when you play your basic defenses, you also have run fit assignments. And when you're blitzing, you are often not worried about that. You're, you're, that's why you blitz in passing situations, because if you run against a blitz, uh, or if you run in those situations, you're likely not to achieve the, the desired outcome. Most commonly a first down, mm -hmm. it's, you know, third and eight or whatever. Um, and so when the defense doesn't have to worry about not leaving a giant gap for a running back to run through, they can do things in pass coverage. And obviously with blitzers that they just can't do in your normal, you know, fair, if you will, situations, your balanced situation. That's a much better word for it. Your, your balanced run past potential situations. So it, it is unsurprising that obviously an offense is going to have more trouble with that because for once the advantage flips to the defense based off the strategy. Um, and it's up to the offense to make a play. And when they haven't had practice doing that, and they're seeing things for the first time, there's no film study, there's no nothing that they've done, there's no chance they've seen that look before, then it's obviously going to be difficult. My question, Logan, to you uh, would be, how much of this is also just the new personnel? Is it is it the Sadiq Charles's and the Chris Paul's struggling? How much would be helped? You know, if, uh, you know, obviously Cornelius Lucas is mm -hmm. a good swing tackle, but if Charles Leno was there, like, you know, you, you have some pieces that are not quite in place yet, and obviously you have an offensive line group that is, played three days of OTA practices together, uh, and it's not even the starting group. So how much of that is, is something you can attribute to that versus kind of bigger issues again, issues being rel a relative term because yeah, and I'm really glad you brought that up because I think maybe I oversold like how poorly they did. I think, you know, for this offense, like they did a, they did a good job, you know, they did a, like, <clears throat> there wasn't a lot of, you know, I think maybe there was one or two missed assignments. But there wasn't a lot of free runners. It wasn't like a total meltdown. And I, you know, while you were talking, kind of talking about the advantage that goes to the defense, I remember the first day they did blitz pickup in last year's OTAs, and it was a non-tenable day for the offense. Like they just couldn't execute anything. Like there were free runners. They, you know, they do that thing. You know, we saw it last year against Wink Martindale, where they, you know, they're always working that squeeze protection. Um, and they're getting free runners and guys mm -hmm. are just the quarterback, you know, that has no hot answer. Yeah. The, the, all of a sudden cave on Thibodeau is unblocked off the edge. Yeah, And so I think that that is that like last year you saw that and it was like, oh my gosh, like this is, this is bad. You know, this is, this is really bad. And that was not the case yesterday or, or, or uh, Thursday last week. It was like, this isn't as sharp as it's been the past two days, but at least you can see they have solutions to these blitzes. They have answers versus this like overload the balls out of the quarterback's hands at a reasonable time they have this screen they have there was there was just answers and um so even though it wasn't super clean like i get any blitz day even in season you're kind of like oh man that's the that's that one blitz where we have to double bump this and i gotta slide down or i should have checked that as a quarterback but i think it was just i i came away from it being like oh my gosh like they they they, they had answers unlike last year you know, with a different offensive coordinator at the helm where it was just like they had no answers. The defense totally dominated the day. And to me, that was like the paradigm shift of OTAs where it went from like the offense looked pretty good to like the offense looked bad. And so I don't think that that was not in the cards on Thursday. In fact, like I think the, you know, like the um, the checks, like so we're in an empty personnel grouping. The quarterback identifies that there is some type of overload pressure. He checks the protection. The tight end comes in and, and slides in. Um, now you have a six a six man pro and an empty look, right? Just like an easy thing. And so obviously there's a lot on Sam Howe's plate. There's a lot on the tight ends and the running backs plate in terms of adjustments and things they have to do. And also understanding versus certain pass concepts, you have hot solutions. And again, that was something in the old offense, which again is very similar schematically that they didn't have a lot of. Like it's like, oh, we're getting an overload pressure. Like the ball needs to be out. There's no answer here. I can't get the ball out. Now there are opportunities to get the ball out quickly, and it's about guys making plays when you got to make them. And it's tight windows, and it's not you know it's not like this wide open um, you know first and second down opportunity like you're alluding to because it's third down. It's tough, but I think I, I don't want to oversell that it was like a ne like a super negative day for the offense. It just wasn't as clean as the first two days where the offense. I was surprised at how clean it was because it is a new offense. 
and it just looks so sharp. So it just, I think it's like, right. Compared to the last two days, it wasn't as sharp, but compared to last year, OTA three, it's like light years ahead. So just to kind of give some context there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, it's amazing what yeah. happens when the infrastructure is there. Like when, when you build, when you build a good house, it won't fall down. Like, wow. Who would have, who would have thought, um, how did the quarterbacks look? How did, how did, how, yeah, I think how, um, that was probably, probably his roughest day. And again, it's like, it's, it, we're, we're splitting hairs here in terms of rough day. You know, it's like, yeah, it's, it's, maybe we, we phrase it like yeah, it was his third it, out of three days, right? Like it's the other two were better, but it's, you know, it, he got like A's the first two days or B's or whatever he got. And it's a C on, on Thursday, as opposed to like, yeah, man, no, and, and big again, old it's fat the toughest F. day. Team blitz is tough. Like it's just a really hard day to be successful. And, and he made some really, like he made an excellent throw. So, um, you know, Eric B does a good job and the Kansas city offense does a good job of creating four man overloads. And so, you know, if you think about it, the majority of overloads you see in the NFL are like a three receiver side and a one receiver side. And they found ways with motion and using the back to get the four-man overloads. And so basically what they did is they lined Jahan Dotson up in the backfield and then had him run a seam from the backfield and had the back run like a wheel-ish, but to the side of to the right side of the formation. So everyone's running to the right. And the defense actually did a pretty good job matching it. And I thought, man, where's he going to go with the football? And he delivered a perfect hole shot to the outside receiver. So you got the tight end, Jahan, and the running back kind of running underneath on these seams, and then he delivers it over the top where the safety hasn't pushed through all the way in a very, very tight window. And I thought, man, that is an elite NFL throw, an elite NFL read. That's a big boy football. And then at the same time, you know, like in blitz period, he's held, he held the ball a little bit long on an out route to uh, Deami Brown, which was an excellent throw also, but understanding like, hey, it's blitz. I got to get this out a little bit sooner, right? I can't hold it. I can't see the throw the same way. Had a couple of balls batted down, had a couple of drop balls just because there's pressure in his face. He's falling away, trying to get the ball out. But in terms of like the high end stuff, you're like, wow, like he did some really good stuff. It's just like he's also contending with kind of, you know, it's blitz, man. There's going to be rushers. There's going to be pressure dealing with some of that stuff. Right. Um, and then I think Brissett, the thing that it continues to surprise me is that he holds the ball a lot longer than I thought he would hold the ball. You know, I thought he would kind of have this like he'd have this intellectual leg up over um, Sam, but he doesn't seem to, he just kind of, he has to see the throw. And again, he's working with the twos and the threes. So maybe you feel like you need to see those throws a little bit more because you don't trust those guys to be at their spots quite the same way. But um, you know, he makes nice throws, but again, there's a deliberate kind of um, deliberateness to the game that I was not expecting to see. But I guess like when I, um, you know, look back on the stuff that he did in Cleveland, even his good stuff, it's off of play action. It's where he can see the throw. It takes a little bit longer. And I thought that was play design, but I think that actually might just be how he plays, you know? So um, I think Sam looked great, minus a couple things. You know, it's, again, team blitz. It's a tough day. And I was a little um, – I continue to be surprised by kind of the the deliberate approach that Jacoby takes with, with regards to throwing the football. And then defensively, obviously, they had their best yeah. day. Uh, that that's kind of how the math works. Uh, again, I'm not great at math, but that's math I can math. Uh, if if they had a, a rougher first two days, again, everything's relative here. Um, but how how did they look? And you know, kind of the cohesiveness of the unit coming together. And you know, also again, what were some of the the positional things that you see and how they're rotating, yeah. especially their DBs? You know, the front seven's hard because Jamin's out right now. Uh, he got an off season cleanup. I think it was his knee. Um, so he's not, he's not in there right now. I guess Barton well, is that's probably been playing. Rotation which, which is that, you know, it was Barton the first day and then now it's been Mayo the past couple of days. And I guess it would make sense to me that it'd be Mayo on the blitz day because he's the guy who's been in the defense the longest. He knows the checks, he knows what to do. And again, that's probably a little bit of an intellect. At the mic spot. Say, at, yeah. the, at the mic spot. And, um, and then Kalik, okay. it looks like Kalik's been out or he's been hurt because um, he had a really good first day and then I haven't seen him kind of pop the same way. It's been Eifler. Number 50, who I don't know on the roster, I got to look his name up. But um, the uh, th those are the types of guys you see in there with Cody Barton and, and Mayo. So a little different, um, obviously a lot of nickel. Um, so um, gosh, the guy from Illinois, uh, he's been kind of, Quan has been doing most of that kind of nickel work and he's done a great job. Really tight windows, really good feel, you know, like for route concepts and stuff for a guy who's only been here for a couple of days. Um, so that's, that's always been impressive. I think um, Emmanuel Forbes has done a nice job, you know, kind of you just see kind of how he's so ready 
to kind of read the quarterback, read the receiver's timing, and kind of break on the football and make tight window throws. He hasn't got an interception outside of the the rookie minicamp, but he's he's been he's created tight window opportunities. The two safeties, uh, Percy Butler and um, Forrest, are I don't know, man. They're just they have this energy that they play with that is a lot of fun to watch, and so uh, that gets me really excited when I see those guys on the field together because it's like they're not always in like the right position, but they are they are missiles to the football. You know what I mean? And I just like that energy from the defense. Um, so that's been cool. Um, defensive line rotation, um, nothing too crazy there. You know, I think they're kind of bouncing in between like, you know, on the defensive end, for example, like the first day it's um, FA and Casey, and then now it's James and FA, and then it's Casey and, you know what I mean? They're just kind of rotating through those edge guys. The two guys inside have been starting, you know, Deron Payne and, and Allen, like as you'd expect. And then um, the guy that's flashed sure. a little bit is Anderson as a pass rusher, the kid that they signed from uh, Atlanta. He's kind of that 3-4 end, and, but he's playing three technique for us or for their commanders. He's, he's had a nice couple days of pass rush, but again, he's rushing against the twos and the threes. So hard to kind of determine, like, is that varsity level pass rush or is that just because he's going against someone who's not quite as good? But I, I think overall, the huh? yeah, Anderson. Abdul Anderson. Um, so... Um, you know, like yeah. I think the defense and the, one of the reasons they're able to do so well on the third day is because they're able to dictate to the offense a little bit more. They're able to kind of put more blitzes in, put more different coverages coverages in. And I think the guys, even with the young pieces they have there on that defense, did a really nice job of kind of adjusting that stuff and, um, and, and playing good defense. And again, like last year when they had this, this, uh, this blitz day, it was a non-tenable day for the offense. Like they just couldn't do anything. And, that's kind of how this felt too. But I think the offense was a little bit more efficient, a little bit more play call, a little bit more effective from a play calling standpoint. So it wasn't quite this ultra dominant performance, but it was a very good day for the defense. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Taking my podcast from Odyssey Sports. I'm Craig Hoffman. He is Logan Paulson. So, Logan, one of the other things that you noticed from the OTA period is that there's a lot of yeah. stuff already in a lot of positional groups, a lot of formations, a lot of combinations. 
uh, already installed in this offense, which I think is super interesting because it's like it, it kind of to me says this is a fundamental yeah. part of who we are, how we use personnel, um, how we create mismatches as opposed to being kind of a, a bonus feature, if you will. It's fundamental to our offense. And thus, as we start our day one install, we're going to have guys lining up all over the place. We're going to use bunches. We're going to use clusters. We're going to use whatever other terms they use to describe, you know, combinations of players, stacks. And, you know, it's all, all a little different in each offense, but we're going to, we're going to, we're going to use all of it. Um, what have you seen so far from that that you like and that you think is interesting? Um, and that you're, yeah, I don't want to be too specific here, but one of the things, so I got a question for command center. And one of the questions was, you know, um, who's going to be the gadget guy in this offense? Is it going to be Curtis or is it going to be Antonio Gibson? And mm -hmm. I kind of came to the conclusion after watching Kadarius Tony in Kansas City that it's going to be Curtis Samuel, right? Because Curtis Samuel can play a little bit of running back. He can be in the slot. He can be the jet sweep guy. And I think one of the things that that one of the reasons it, it's more effective to have a slot receiver do it is because it dictates certain responses from the person from the defensive personnel. And I'm not sure Gibson would give you those same responses. And so I think that's one of the reasons I think it's going to be Curtis. Now, I think a lot of people, like in the comments of the video, said, oh, well, like, why not have two gadget guys? And I do think that based on that first couple of OTAs, Antonio Gibson's role in the offense, especially as a pass catcher, is going to be a little bit bigger, right? So, you know, like they're motioning him out to run slants. They had him run a couple of choices. They had him run a couple of wheel routes and let him kind of utilize that receiving skill set to make plays against lesser coverage players. So just because I don't think he's not going to be the jet sweep, you know, we're going to motion him to the backfield and get a carry type of thing. Um, he's not going to be that level of gadget guy. I do think his role is going to be expanded, right? And I think, um, I think EB, you know, like you sent me that thing of him doing that coaches conference on Twitter where he talked about you have to identify, mm -hmm. um, you know, the traits of your athletes and how best to maximize them. I think that's what you're starting to see in OTAs with Gibson. His role for sure as a pass catcher will be kind of what, what um, the media community and the fans have been calling for the last couple of years were like, hey, let's use that receiving skill set a little bit more. And I think over the first couple of OTAs, you've seen that. And, I, and that gets me really fired up. You know, that I'm like, okay, great. They're, they're finding ways to get him touches in the pass game. They're kind of seeing what he can do. And I think that's ultimately, ultimately going to help the offense. But he's not going to be this, he's not going to be the gadget guy because he doesn't get the, the correct response from the defense, right? So if he's in the game, and Curtis Samuel's in the game, they're going to match nickel. And so when I motion Curtis Samuel to run the football, we now have numbers um, in the run game because they're not going to adjust to a, run, a receiver in the backfield the same way they're going to adjust to a running back in the backfield. So I think that's kind of what I would say there. It's like, right. think about how San Francisco uses Christian McCaffrey. They use him like a running back. You know what I mean? Like he is a running back. He's not this like reverse. Jet right. They get him screens, they get him slants, they get him goes, they get him good matchups. Right, because he is a good matchup weapon, but he's not the gadget element. He doesn't get a lot of reverses. He doesn't get a lot of, um, you know, like kind of trick play type stuff. That falls to a different skill set. And I think in this offense, that probably goes to Curtis. But I do, I definitely think of a more McCaffrey type role for um, Gibson in this offense for sure. Yeah, which is great because that does mean you can start right. him in the backfield, motion him out, and have him do wide receiver Correct, stuff. Yeah. And you might draw a linebacker, That's exactly right. um, depending on what personnel group is in. You know, you put him, you put him and Robinson in the game together. They go with a base defense. All of a sudden, you run uh, or you motion Gibson out of the backfield. He runs a choice route on a yeah. linebacker, and that guy is dead. Like there, that's that's easy pickings. Well, for well what Sam they did Howell. the other day, which um, like, so there, you're exactly to your point, Craig, and I didn't bring it up, but um, they came out in 21 personnel. And they motioned to not empty, but they had Alex Arma stay in the backfield as the running back. And then Gibson is the isolated receiver to the right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Arma, the tight end fullback. Probably more of a fullback, but I think he fits that he's, fullback role nice. He, yeah. he carried the football a little bit at Carolina and catch the football well. I think he's a very good, very like um, DY kind of fullback, you know, Darrell Young type of fullback. Um, yeah. And yeah, so yeah, they yeah. motioned him out to the, to the right by himself in isolation. He drew a favorable matchup. They motioned the tight end out to the left in like this empty kind of ish spread look and they threw a slant to him and he made an excellent catch on the football and he beat a corner. So I was like, that's what you're looking for from that kind of role. You know what I mean? It's not like it's just can we find ways, to, different ways to get him touches. And I think having a fullback, having tight ends, having all these kind of flex pieces allow you to do that a little bit more effectively. Yeah, definitely. And then with Curtis, like I, I just laughed when people were like, oh, are they going to cut Curtis Samuel? Are they going to cut yeah. Curtis Samuel? I was like, no, 
This is this is the thing that they've been waiting for Curtis Samuel, which is hilarious because Scott Turner was with him in Carolina. But like, this is Curtis Samuel should be Curtis Samuel's dream role. Um, he's a he's a very solid like wide receiver who just lines up and runs routes and catches balls and is good after the catch and all those things. But you get a chance to maximize his skill set and get him in the backfield some run, you know, get him some carries, whether it's, you know, just halfback dives uh, type yeah. of stuff because he can run between the tackles or the reverses, the jet sweeps, all that kind of stuff. It works yeah. well with some of the RPO type of stuff that they want to do. You know, you, you can just get defenses moving and shifting and create matchups and, it's it's what a modern NFL offense looks like, and what I love about Bienemy and what they did in Kansas City, and um, you know what Kyle does and what Sean does is like these are again fundamental pieces of the offense, not right. trick plays. They're not you know they're not bonus features. Like the offense isn't complete without it, and and I think that that creates a comfort level with for the players because they understand how important it is. And it's not this, Ooh, let's get excited. We finally called the trick play. It's like, right. no, this is just how we run the offense. And, you know, as long as the, the challenge is, do you have the players who can mentally handle it? Because there's a lot of verbiage and there's a lot of concepts. And, and you've already talked about uh, the last couple of pods, how much is in already, but it seems like they're handling it all right. And one thing that Rivera has said in the press conferences is at least on the defense, they're going to do these yeah. installs like three yeah. times. I assume the offense is going to match. And so they did kind of an install in the classroom. They're doing this install now, and then they'll do it again in training camp. So hopefully, you know, you have that all this massive volume of plays and concepts that are second nature by the time the season rolls around. And then you can even build off of those when you get into your game plan specific stuff, but you have this wonderful array of options to create the matchups you want going into every week, no matter what. Yeah. The I think that's are. a really nice way of putting it. It's it, this is just offense, you know, and I, we haven't even talked about the tight ends yet, but I think that group kind of shows you, you know, in addition to the Curtis Samuels, in addition to the Antonio Gibsons, just, it shows you the way, the NFL is going. So they get in 13 personnel, not a ton, but I'd say probably out of 50 plays in the practice, maybe 15 reps, which is a good amount, you know, and they find it's not like they're running the football out of 13. It's like they're running their base concepts out of 13 personnel, trying to dictate certain responses from the defense and, you know, finding ways to get um, Cole Turner on, you know, on a drag route or a corner and have, um, you know, Logan Thomas run this big out, you know what I mean? Like they just, it's, they're utilizing skill sets and you're utilizing skill sets to create matchups. Ultimately, is what you're doing. So it's not like I think that's maybe a better way of looking at it, Craig. Is, and you pointed this out. It's not a gadget guy. It's like, how do we get the best matchups here for our team based on personnel, based on what our personnel does well? And I think that's Matt, that probably seems like a little bit of a foreign concept, I think, to the to the to the fan base here. Because like that wasn't exactly what Scott was doing. I know he was trying to do that, but didn't come across that same way. So I would say that now we're kind of in the full swing of that. And that's why, to me, I think this feels so exciting, right? It's because you get like, I mean, Cole Turner, right? For, just as an example, he's running with the twos the other day, but he they motion empty and he runs a choice. And like, he's a guy who can do that. He can run choice routes. And like last year, it was like, if, if, uh, if McKissick isn't running choice routes, like no one's running choice routes. And when you look around at the NFL, like teams that can get to that, that route concept in different ways, especially on third down, are more effective football teams. And so now you've got Gibson running choices. You've got Curtis running choices. You've got Cole running choices. You've got Logan Thomas running choices. And all of a sudden it's like, now let's see who's the best at it and can put our offense in a good situation to be successful. But one of the ways you get to those different people doing that is have different personnel groupings on the field. So I'm, I'm it's this is this is 2023. This is the new age of NFL offense. And it's cool to see. Obviously, they haven't got any of the run game stuff in yet because they're kind of prioritizing pass game screen game. I don't think they've run one run play since the start of OTAs, maybe one. So um, very. Yeah, two the other day. Yeah, the other but day it's that but that's not a lot. Attempt. You know, usually yeah. you'd have a team run period and you'd have you'd yeah. be running probably between 12 and 15 runs a day. And so to not have that in, I think, is really interesting. Uh, but I do think it, it allows for a sharpness and a dexterity in the passing game that is great to see at this point in the offseason in conjunction with some of this, some of these different roles in the offense. So that, that's been um, 
that's been really cool to see. I, you know what I mean? It's been really cool. And I think he's, I get the sense that EB's kind of playing with some stuff a little bit too, to kind of see what he likes best. And, um, you know, like guys have just really stood out in a dramatic way, which has been cool. So. Yeah. Um, good way, by the way, to not, uh, not get in trouble with the NFL PA, right. get, right. get two practices taken away next year. <laughs> hey, let's just not run any run plays. Nobody yeah. run, nobody runs into each other. We have, we're just playing Correct. seven on seven football. Um, but the, you know, back to the, the matchups and stuff like mm-hmm. Jay used to do this kind of stuff. And, and if the fan base is, you know, thinks about some of the stuff they used to do with Jordan Reed and isolating the matchups or Chris Thompson and isolating the matchups, but it was very, you know, by I, I, this, this sounds a little unfair to like what they did. Cause they were obviously tremendous offensive coaches, but like it's, it's um, kind of elementary compared to the stuff that, teams do now like it was okay well we know if yeah. we just put jordan out there then we'll get this matchups and, and and it's set and it's static right now it's like oh well, we're gonna use motion to do this and then we're gonna or we're gonna use a shift or you know we're gonna start here to get this and then really mess them up because then we change to that and it, it they've got to do a lot of communicating as opposed to just Let's stick Jordan Reed out uh, and on the solo side of a three by one. Know that we're going to get a matchup that we yeah. like and let him run a choice route. That's effective. It works. But can you make it less predictable, thus making it harder to have solutions if you're a defense? And that to me is like the evolution of where we are now with this stuff, where you now would say, okay, if, if Curtis Samuel is the guy we want to isolate instead of just going three by one and having Samuel be the one and giving him a ton of space, it's let's start him in a diamond formation on, on a four by, you know, four by zero motion him across, or we're going to start two by two and then, you know, motion someone away from him. And now he's isolated. Like there's just things that you do. And I, I think the last part, we talked about this at times last year, because teams did this to the commanders is, you know, if you can make a defense change what they're doing at the last second, there's a significantly right. elevated chance of success because there's communication that has to happen. If they have a rule for three by one and a different rule for two by two and you jet sweep motion someone across, there's a good chance that half the defense is going to be playing their two by two rule. Half the defense will be playing their three by one rule and and somebody's going to be wide open. That's how you generate bust. That's how you generate massive mistakes that create big plays. And so. If the more you can do that stuff and not just have to have guys win, the better. But also, you know, you're you're talking about an offense that has a bunch of guys who can win. So um it's why, you know, if Sam Howell is good and if the O line ho- holds up, it does feel like this offense could be genuinely very good this year. But those are two massive ifs. And it, it's really gonna come down to execution at the end of the day. But from a a skill position standpoint and a schematic standpoint, I feel pretty good about that stuff. Um, unfortunately that's, I don't want to say like scheme is, is obviously high cause it can elevate everyone else, but, uh, O-line uh, and Everything. quarterback play can undo yeah. good scheme all day long. So it's just, it's just a matter of, of ultimately getting to a point where they're, they're crushing it in practice and then can carry that to the game. Yeah. Uh, and I think you bring up a September. good point there with like the Jay Gruden's and the Kyle Shanahan's and the Sean McVay's and the offenses they were running, they had to evolve. And this is like, I think now this is. I guess this is kind of the evolution of that, right? Because like back in the day, you said, oh, we got someone who's really good at this. Let's line them up here and just say win. And defenses were like, man, we're getting killed with this stuff. Like, how do we adjust? And so they had to adjust and offenses had to adjust. And I think this is where you get to kind of this stuff where it's like, you know, like little wrinkles on every single play and like little answers and little solutions here and there. And um, the the kind of the, the subtle evolutions of the quick game. So... I totally agree, man, and um, and it, it is exciting. It's it's exciting to see this kind of, I don't want to say it's it's overly innovative, but kind of like cutting edge stuff, you know, like in terms of creative thinking about game plans. So that, that's really exciting. But like you said, man, it's like if if Sam doesn't get it, if the O line doesn't come together, which the O line looks pretty good at the moment, like you know they they look, and again, like I think I, I said this on the right, they're not in pads, but, but in terms it's, of like. So in terms of like knowing what to do and being technically in the right spots, mm-hmm. like I, like I just go back to last year because it was the, cl- it's the closest thing we've got. And just how, how the, during this third day, it just was like obvious to everybody that, wow, 
this they're not even in the same league and that you know they were a bunch of kind of seasoned guys and and it and to me it was more scheme than anything and here now it's like okay like this is at least a doable this is a a passable thing so i don't know i like i'm 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 excited i think the biggest test of the offseason though is going to be that joint practice against baltimore like that's the biggest thing right now like cuz like yeah defensively they seem to be progressing now it's early but they seem to be in a good spot offensively they seem to be in a good spot i think that will continue throughout the offseason because I think EB's a good coach and, and Del Rio say what you want about him. He gets those guys ready to go. The first thing they're going to have to do is go against Baltimore and just see if it's what it looks like versus a real team. So I think that's that'll be interesting for sure. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Take a man podcast from Odyssey Sports. I'm Craig Hoffman. He is Logan Paulson. And for the first time on the air, if you will, we are pleased to bring in our producer, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Nick Berlansky. Hey! <laughs> What's going on, guys? So, Nick, uh, Nick, happy to have you. Uh, you sir, Nick's always are going here, though, to... so it's weird <laughs> yeah. to say happy to have you. Yeah, happy, happy to have you on the screen as opposed to just... <laughs> changing the graphics and sending us notes in the background, making this podcast better <laughs> without uh, letting the world see your beautiful bearded face. Uh, so now, now Nick, you're going to play, uh, you're going to play Vegas odds maker here. Okay. So uh, we have tasked you with a couple of different players and because Vegas has not gotten around to actually making prop bets, uh, apparently in, in May, you want to go bet on Sam Howell's over under passing yards on the year. Good luck finding one. I'm sure a bookie will take you somewhere uh, off the books, if you will. Uh, but but all of the uh, the standard sports books do not have those numbers up. So we tasked Nick with creating them. Hmm. So, Nick, uh, we said we want something Sam Howell adjacent. We want something Brian Robinson adjacent. Something uh, and then for each of the three mm -hmm. receivers. So those are, those are the guys that we tasked you with. Uh, you get freedom on yards, touchdowns, if you want to bring in other players. So... What, what do you got for us? And then, Logan, our job is fairly simple. We just say over or under. <laughs> I want to start with somebody you guys have actually already talked about because you guys mentioned Curtis Samuel, what role he could be in in 2023. Okay. His career high in receiving yards was back in 2020. He had 851. He finished last season with 656. So I want to know, does Curtis Samuel set a new career high in receiving yards over or under 850 in 2023? Well, you, got, you want to go first, Craig? No, actually, I don't. <laughs> I'm going to say, okay, I'm going to say under. I don't, I'm going to say he doesn't set a new career total. And I think it's, and everyone's going to be like, what? Why are you just talking about how great the offense is? And I just think that's why. I think the ball is going to have to get distributed to Jahan, to Terry, to Curtis, to Gibson, to B-Rob, to Logan Thomas, to, you know, like there's a lot of playmakers. And when you look at EB's offenses over the last, you know, Andy Reid's offenses, EB's offense, EB's in, involvement with Kansas City's offenses. Um, people get a lot of touches, and there's not like a definitive like number one guy. And I think that leads to better offensive production. So I think he'll be very productive. I don't think he's going to be 800 yards productive. What do you think, Craig? 
I agree. I, I'm going to go under on setting a new career high. It would not surprise me if that's around his number of total yardage because sure. um, he can have some rushing yards as well. And look, uh, you talk about total yardage. Could he bust a thousand if he has, you know, one 80 yard run that, that boosts yeah. the total or an 80 yard, you know, reception somewhere in the year? Like definitely um, in, in a 17 game season, 851 yards is, is certainly on the table. I feel like that's going to be that's like a good number, um, yeah. if you will. Obviously, he's got to stay healthy as well. But I, I tend to think that McLaren and Dotson are going to be the guys that are pushing the totals. Um, I could see Curtis with five or six touchdowns as well yeah. this year. Like, I think Curtis is going to have a really, really good year. But a really, really good year is somewhere around 750 yards, six touchdowns, 350 rushing yards, something like that. And I think he's also, it's also important to remember, he's the third, he's the third receiver. Yes. And, yes. That, and that doesn't even mean he's going to be the third receiving target at this point, right? Like, let's say Gibson starts balling out in training camp and he becomes a guy, hey, we got to get him more touches. Like, those those touches are going to come from somewhere. And I think Jahan and Terry, like you said, are going to get the, the lion's share of that. But, like, you know, I didn't even mention on the third day, like, Logan Thomas had some excellent catches against, like, DBs and corners, just using his big body to create separation. So, obviously, if Sam is kind of building that relationship now, you know, like I could see his, his role being bigger than it was, um, you know, last year. And then again, those touches have to come from somewhere. So I, well, I think Curtis is going to be very productive, very explosive and kind of have these more, more splash flash plays than we saw last year. I don't think, I think 850 is a lot of, a lot of ground to make up given how dynamic this offense is. The Agreed. biggest surprise for me last year with the commanders was how much Jahan Dotson actually found the end zone. Like I watched Penn State yeah. <laughs> and the guy listen he has a knack for finding the end zone but I didn't expect in his rookie year him to lead the Washington Commanders entire team with seven so my question to you guys will Jahan Dotson score over or under seven and a half touchdowns in 2023 and improve on his rookie season Ooh, I guess first. I gotta go first on this yeah, one no, I, I never want to go first Logan uh, I'll, go, I'll go first I'll take the bullet because I want to okay. talk about it okay? okay I think under again also and again, I think there's just so like when you look at the red zone, I watched all the red zone um, touchdowns last year for uh, Kansas City, and they just find ways to get everyone the football, right? It's like it's not like obviously Travis Kelsey is a big part of what they do in the red zone. And so I think Logan Thomas's red zone protection will probably increase a little bit. I think Jahan will be involved in that, but I don't think, I think seven's a lot of touchdowns, man. I just think they're going to find ways to get different people to football. I think B Rob's going to have a lot of touchdowns in the red zone. He's going to kind of siphon some of those off. So um, I would say under, and that, again, I don't think that means he's going to have a bad year. I think he's going to be very, 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 very productive. But I also think like there's just, yeah, I think Logan Thomas, I would say Logan Thomas is going to be more productive. I think the receiving group in the red zone will be a little bit less productive, but I think in the field, the receiver's uh, production from a yard standpoint will increase, if that makes sense. So here's the guys who had seven touchdowns last year. Uh, Tyreek Hill, DJ Moore, Jawan Johnson, T. Higgins, Devontae Smith, Gabe Davis, Christian Watson, Cole Kmet uh, for the Bears. Really? And, wow, that's yeah. surprising. <laughs> yeah, well, Cole Kmet, uh, tight end for the Bears, had seven. And then Jahan Dotson had seven as well. They were all tied for 15th. Behind guys like Devontae Adams, Travis Kelsey, <laughs> Stephon Diggs, George Kittle, A.J. Brown. Uh, I will say Jarek McKinnon had nine receiving touchdowns last year. That is true. Uh, so, you know, someone, maybe Gibson's the guy who has six or seven receiving touchdowns. Um, but I, I just, I think over seven and a half is, is a huge ask. And that's kind of the point here is like, you're talking about being top 10 in touchdowns in the league. And considering you're the second receiver, considering how much they use the tight end in the red zone, uh, considering, the yeah, the running back stuff that they'll they'll do, whether it's Robinson running it in or or Gibson uh, on some choice routes and, and creating those matchups, I just think that's a hard number. Seven feels about right. Like I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if he touches that again, but I would have to, you know, if, if I'm putting actual money on it, I think I'd go with the under. These are good ones, Nick. Man, you put some time in, huh? Yeah, Nick, you're also now muted, so. Perfect, because that way we didn't talk over <laughs> each other. That's that's exactly why I did it yes. on perfect. Less editing exactly. for you. That was, uh, that was in my mind whenever I was talking. But no, uh, these numbers are numbers that I could honestly see, though. And, and that's the thing with Brian Robinson's, which is who I want to go to next, because last year he only played 12 games as a rookie. He rushed for 797 yards, and everybody always loves to talk about the 1,000-yard rusher. So I want to ask you guys, 
Will Brian Robinson rush for over or under 1,000 yards in 2023? Am I going first? Going you want to go first? Yeah. I'll go first on this one. I'm going, going over. over? Um, I'm going over on 1,000. Here's the thing. 1,000 yards in a 17-game season is not that much. Like, it's obviously still impressive. And the biggest thing you have to do is, is stay available, right? But where's my where's my phone with a calculator on it? I don't think I don't actually don't know where oh there it went. I think it's like <laughs> 70 yards a game or something like that. If you take a thousand yards by 17 games, it's not even. It's 58 yards a game. And so if he has one 120 yard game, he's now caught bought, bought himself an entire game. Was anyone even close last yards. year in Kansas City's offense? Um, I can look that up real quick, but I, I just, I think they want to be run first. It's not going to be Kansas city's like, that's the going to be the biggest thing in Kansas or difference between Kansas city's offense. And this one is like, they wanted the ball in Patrick Mahomes' hand all the time. And I think they're going to not put the ball in Sam Howell's hands nearly as much. They're going to run the, the football. And I think Robinson's going to be the guy who does the most of that. So if he can average 65 yards a game, which again is not, anything crazy um i think you know he gets and he plays 17 games he plays 15 games at 65 yards a game he's pushing a thousand yards so yeah I'm, I'm going over yeah i also think though like philosophically like you know a screen game is such a big part of this you know so do, does he lose five carries a game to screens and like does that siphon off some of his rushing production and again like i don't think anybody last year in the kansas city offense was close to a thousand and again you're right. Pacheco had 8.30. 8.30. And I feel like that's, if I had to put money on it, that's probably where I'd say. I think he's probably Here's in the that thing, though. He only had 170 carries. I Yeah, and I think I think B-Rob and Gibson and I think uh, Christian Rodriguez, I think that's, I think Christian Rodriguez is an interesting variable here. I don't think he's going to have a ton of touches, but I think he's going to have enough that it's going to be like, oh, he had five carries this game. And it's going to, those are carries that are going to be taken from B-Rob. So, I, again, I think like like with all these guys, I think offensive production is going to be high. I'm thinking like 850, 900 is totally reasonable. I just think a thousand because over the, I think there's going to be games where he has 20 yards rushing. You know, I just don't think it's going to be like this staple the way that it was last year where he's like he's getting 30 touches or he's getting 25 touches. I don't think that's going to be the same emphasis um, here. You know, and I think EB's kind of alluded to that in some of his press conferences where he's like, if we got to rush the ball 50 times a game. We're gonna do it if we gotta throw it fifty times a game. We're gonna do that, and I and I sure. do think that that's gonna to lead to different people getting touches. It's gonna to lead to less less of an emphasis. I know they want to be run first. They want to insulate the quarterback, but insulating the quarterback in this offense is different than it is in like a Kyle or a traditional offense, right? They insulate the quarterback by by using quick game, by using RPO, and so some of those called runs are gonna be passes. And I just think the I just think overall. The, the volume of touches for the rusher is not going to be there the same way that it is in like, like last year where it's like, we're running duo. We're going to run it 15 times. B Rob gets every duo. We're going to run five counters. He's going to get those. It's not going to be like that. It's going to be like, Hey, here's five RPOs. Here's a screen. Here's a jet sweep. Here's um, you know, here's like a, whatever, you know, here's like a, a zone read. Like th those things are going to siphon touches from him. And I think they're going to go running back by committee. Cause I think they want all those guys to be healthy. So. No, I don't disagree. I just would say that if he if he gets 20 yards one game as 100 yards another, add those together, do the Close. math, divide by two, it's 60 yards. So, uh, But I also think Gibson's going to be more productive. I, I just And I think yeah. there's going to be games where Curtis gets more touches. Like There's a lot of people in this backfield that we want and sh that deserve and we want to get touches for offensive, for offensive success, not individual success. And I just think he's got a lot of people right now a lot of a lot of people that'll that'll that will cannibalize touches and a lot of offensive philosophy that'll cannibalize touches because on an RPO like for example I remember in the Super Bowl last year they ran I think 15 RPOs I think Patrick Mahomes threw like 11 of them they're all good reads and those show up in the stat sheet for EB as runs but Brian yeah. Robinson or Pacheco didn't get any of those touches so right. that's kind of what I would say is like there I I hope he gets a thousand that'd be great. But I just think it'd be it's better for the offense if more people get the touches in different spots. So it's don't possible. disagree. Yeah. Yeah. Don't disagree. Still going over. Okay. Nick, what we got next? This one was a little bit harder to figure out a number with with Sam Howell because not only did Sam Howell play one game last year, but Carson Wentz and Taylor Heineke also split. So when I put those two together, 
Wentz and Heineke combined for 3,614 yards last season. I want to ask, do you think Sam Howell will throw for over or under 3,700 passing yards in 2023? I... Someone, someone's got to have the production, Logan. I'm going over. Yeah, I'm going like, over. Here. Like, thing is, if he, as long as he, you know, plays well, stays out there, Brissett doesn't replace him, and and I anticipate, especially based off how these for this first week of OTAs is going, that's going to be the case. Um, then like, okay, fine. You're Brian Robinson RPOs that, that are called runs kind of, but can become passes, become passes. Well, guess who's throwing them. Those should be relatively easy completions. You have all these skill guys, you get the ball in their hands. You have, you know, screen game, fine. That those count as passing statistics. And so I like, again, 3,700 in the 2023 NFL in a 17 game season in this kind of offense is not spectacular production it's very very good so this is this is not an easy one but as long as he stays healthy and and is the guy running this offense then yeah i think 3700s in the cards i'm gonna go over yeah i agree i think uh i'm just trying to figure out like where that would have ranked him as a passer last year you know what i mean like where that puts him because i remember well mahomes uh, mahomes had 5250 Fifty-two, fifty, but I'm saying like, is he? A, he's a top fifteen guy with that stat line, right? With uh, thirty-seven hundred from last year. Uh, let me correctly. pull it back up um, real quick. Yeah, thirty. Let's see. Thir- Jalen Hurts had thirty-seven hundred. So yeah, uh, Jalen. Jalen had thirty-seven hundred, uh, and he was tenth in the league in passing. Rogers had yeah. thirty-six ninety-five and was eleventh. So we are talking about a top fifteen season, guys that. But the thing is, like a lot of the guys that are kind of in that next tier missed games, right? So Tua yeah. has 35-48, but he only played 13 games. Russell Wilson, even as bad as he was last year, 35-24, played 15 games. Derek Carr, 35-22, only played 15 games. Daniel Jones played 16 and was at 32-05. So that's one that gives you a little bit of pause, but you know they yeah. also did not throw the ball nearly as much as I would anticipate. You know, Mahomes threw it 648 times, uh, and Jones threw it 472. Right. So, I mean, I, 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 my gut says over here. My gut says over, but I also know that it's tough for a young guy in a second year in a new offense to to be a top ten passer. You know, and I think that's the thing that that's the only thing that gives me pause. But I agree with you, Craig. I think that these touches got to go somewhere, right? And I think those RPOs, the screens even the little stupid shovel passes they have in the red zone. Like those are yards. It's going to be easy for him. The, the amount of play action that they run, the amount of quick game that they run. Uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to say over. I, that fe- If you would have said 36, I would say over in five seconds, but I, 37, like if he has 3,700 yards passing, like they win 11 games, probably 12 games. Right. I mean, if that, if that's what we're talking about, like. And we're both saying very, over. They're, they're, they're that, that makes me question football. it more than anything. Right. You know what I'm saying? Think about that, though. Like, that's the thing that gets me going, like, is this real? Is this is this a tenable solution? And I know we're really high in the offense right now, but, like, he's got to do it. You know what I mean? He's got to make these reads. He's got to make these throws. And I know he's physically capable of it, but we've seen a lot of dudes who are physically capable kind of fall a little short. So I think that number, I've talked myself into under. I'm going under. And, again, like, it's it's just because I think it's just hard for a young guy versus NFL defenses to be to be a top 10 passer i think it's entirely possible yeah. i think it's plausible i think it's realistic in a lot of ways i just think that's i'm i'm playing the playing this playing the his, historical odds here a little bit no it does it does make me rethink it for sure and looking into it too it's like okay is he gonna have 450 attempts that that that's a bit of a threshold like if he can get above that number it feels a lot more doable if you get to 500 it's almost i want to say guaranteed but like yeah, but it's very possible. all the all the guys who threw over 500 attempts last year except for Derek carr um got it and carr also missed it by 180 yards yeah so you know it's it, it just depends on how much they in some ways, like, I guess I should go under cause I went over on Robinson, right? Like if yeah. I think they're going to be a little more run skewed heavy where Robinson gets the amount of touches he needs to get to a thousand yards, then maybe that, that passing attempt total comes down. Um, and what if but he's just, running the ball a little bit more too? That's the other thing. Yeah. Like if he's doing a little bit more zone read, like if he's more in the vein of Jalen hurts, you know, from two years ago, like, is that, 
he'd still be very productive. He'd still be, you know, a very extremely plus at the position, but you know, right. I don't know. That's a lot of yards and, um, and maybe, and it's getting, it's honestly, it's getting me to rethink my B Rob pick too, because I think if, if, if I'm saying he's going to be under, then those touches got to go someplace. And I think right. Rob, like we talked well, about, it's, it's funny because player. I said over in part because of what you said about B Rob. And now I've got you convinced the other way. Yeah. Played a mind game. I, it was yeah. a long game, Nick. I did it. <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> um, but it is the kind of thing that, you know, 37, if, it, if it's going to take him being a top 10 passer in the league, like that, that feels wrong. Um, but that's, that's 11 wins. That's 11 or 12 wins right there for this team. I think. Yeah. And again, it, like depends. It, it depends on how he's taking care of the football too, you know, but yeah. I mean, the I'm going to say, thing I'm is, gonna say under. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to go under barely, but I, actually, you know what? I'm going to, uh, it's, dude, also, it's May. It's May. We got to be optimistic. Here's the thing, Nick, you said that number is based off Wentz and Heineke yes. last yes. year. I'm going to go over. <laughs> <laughs> You combo, he can't have a better season than those two guys, what they did last year, plays, some of the stinkers all, they had out. If he plays all 17, it's, yeah. it's, some that's of the what stinkers, I'm saying. It's, it's, Nick did an excellent job of picking a number that is believable while also hard to get to. You know what I'm saying? It's So like, he did his job number. as a Vegas line maker because that's exactly that's exactly what Vegas tries to do. They got to coax you in and then they take money from suckers <laughs> like us. <laughs> The last one I want to talk to you guys about, and it's a little bit more out of the realm of possibility, but I could honestly see it happening because Terry McLaurin finished 10th in the NFL in receiving last year, 1,191 yards. To get into the top five last year, he would have needed 1,400. Does Terry McLaurin finish with over or under 1,400 receiving yards in 2023? That well, one's easy. If you're Craig, if you're Craig, yes, because 3,700 no. has to go somewhere. Craig, you said yes. Someone's gonna get those touches. It's gonna be Terry. It's gonna be Terry. If it's if it if Terry gets twelve fifty, and Jahan gets a thousand, and Samuel gets seven hundred, I'm already at like three thousand. And then Logan Thomas gets five hundred more to go. Like Logan Thomas gets five hundred. Deami Brown gets two fifty because he gets an eighty yard touchdown in week three, and he's got just got to get hundred and seventy the rest of the whole year. It's a lot like, of yards, man. It's a lot of you yards. You know, uh, Robinson in the screen game, Gibson, like, it's it, 1,400 is a lot of freaking yards. <laughs> That's your guy, though. I thought you'd be like, I love yeah, Terry. Terry. I am, but I think, I think, like, he and I think Dotson's going to have a monster year. Like, I think he could get you know, close to 1,100 and Terry's, like, at 1,250. Like, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. Something you know, like that. And also how they're going to use those guys. Like, how are they used in the screen game? How are they used in the quick game? How are they used in the deep, you know, in intermediate yeah. games? Like, I just feel like, I, I feel like the ball is going to be too well distributed for one guy to get 1400. I mean, Tyreek did it in Kansas city, but I don't think yeah. they had he was the like depth. An explosive, of, he was more explosive. Yeah. yeah. I don't think one, yeah, Terry's not getting as many long touchdowns as Tyreek did, in part because like Howell's not Mahomes. Um, and Terry, for all the things that he is, is not Tyreek. But two, I don't think they had the depth of weapons that they had where they're going to be trying to get different guys the ball and it's going to depend on the week. Like Tyreek was the dude every single week. I think there's going to be yeah. some decoy weeks for Terry. So I'm just, I'm going to say under. Yeah, I want to say over because I like Terry a lot, but I, I just, again, like, and I think I've probably been a little bit pessimistic. I think I've gone under on all of these, but it's, it's, it's because I believe like you believe Craig, that there are a lot of touches to be had, you know, for a lot of different people. And I think it, the other thing that's tough is it's still so early. So like right now, if you look at it, like over the first three days of OTAs, you'd say, man, the leading receivers on the team are going to be all the tight ends. And uh, just because they've been heavily featured in the offense, but that's not always how it goes into the season. So um yeah, I'm going to say under, but again, I think it's just because I think the tight ends will have a thousand yards between the, the three of them. I think the backs will have 500, you know, I think Jahan will have close to close to a thousand, you know, and I think Terry will be close to a thousand. Curtis will have another, you know, five, six, 700, and you're right at 3,700 if that's what you're thinking. So it, it gets eat up real quick. So um, again, I think it's going to be under 37, but if you're, if that's the number you're shooting for, um, gosh, if he had 3,700 yards passing, holy cow, man, this is going to be a fun year. This would be a lot of yeah. fun. If Terry's got, if he's got 3,700 and Terry's got 1,400, yeah, this is a playoff team. Dude, 
crazy. That or, they, that or they got whacked a bunch and they're just passing like crazy in the second half and just accumulating yeah. stats. I mean, I think the I other thing we haven't talked about version. here, and maybe this will be the next time we play this game, Nick, but like turnovers, like that could easily sway the, that statistic the other way, right? It yeah. could go from being like, wow, this is a playoff caliber team to just kind of a middle of the road team. If, if he's, you know, 60, 40 on turnovers or some Sam Howell I'm talking about. So it'll be, yeah, man, that got me excited just thinking about that. Cause it, it is, yeah. it feels like a very doable thing. But uh, you got to pump the brakes on that, you know, because it's what is it? It's May. So this is why people gamble. It's very fun. But Logan, <laughs> we did it and we don't lose any money at the end. That's right. So we should keep track of these and see how they turn out. OK, I'm sure we can do that. Nick can make a little document and and keep track. Uh, Nick, thank you for your service, sir. Excellent job. You're welcome back anytime on a podcast. Thank you're on you. every time. Uh, <laughs> That's Nick Berlansky, everybody. Uh, that's Logan Paulson. I'm Craig Hoffman. Thank you for watching or listening to Take Command. We are on YouTube, full episodes, at 106.7 The Fan. Clips on my page, at Craig Hoffman. Uh, you can also catch me on the radio, Hoffman Show, f 4 to 7. I've been at 4 o'clock for like a month and a half now. 4 to 7, uh, daily on the Team 980 and on YouTube on the Team 980's YouTube page. All right, uh, that's it. That's all. Thanks for watching or listening. Follow or subscribe if you have not, and we will see you later in the week on Take Commitment.